The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Um, we are two weeks out from uh, American Thanksgiving. We are five-ish weeks into the season. And stop me if you've heard this before, but the standings make no sense. I'm they make pretty- no sense whatsoever in any way, in any universe. And I'm pretty sure we've been saying this the last couple of years because at this time of the year, usually Buffalo is on there tear across the NHL and they're in first place and oh my god which actually this year they aren't they're very no they're they're severely underperforming at this point um so let me ask a couple of questions and we'll do a warm start versus our normal 25 minute ramble <laughs> okay we're going to go through each of the divisions yeah. Um, biggest surprise in the Pacific. Biggest surprise in the Pacific. Ooh. Um, I want to make the uh, biggest surprise in the Pacific. No, no. Honestly. Go ahead. I desperately want to say Vancouver, but I guess it has to be Edmonton. Second to last in not only the Pacific, but second to last in like the NHL. They've only second got second to seven. last in the NHL is surprising. They've only got seven points. Yeah, but this is a team who's made the playoffs the last couple of years. I'm not saying that they were Stanley Cup contenders. I never felt that way about them. But the complete drop off the cliff that they're experiencing, I mean, there's bound and determined to be a very loud thud at the end of this. They have three wins. They're, um, and, and the number is not really shocking. They're a minus 16 in goal differential. They're two and set. They're, they're, they're one, they have one win at home. One. Yeah. Even San Jose, who's below them with only five points, has two wins at home. And here's yeah. the here's the thing that's the, that makes it that makes me want to agree with your answer. Only five teams. I'm only sorry. Only four teams have scored less goals than they have so far. Thirteen games, they've scored thirty-five goals. Only yeah. one team below them, the Sharks, has scored less goals, and the Sharks are a hot mess. Well, yes. Um, their their goals allowed aren't terrible, but since when don't the Edmonton Oilers score goals? Um, well, they they've got that Mc whatever McDonald's guy or whatever his name is. For me, though, I actually because re- I think that Edmonton's been getting it done on the back end with smoke and mirrors for years. 
Um, So the fact like the fact that they're not scoring is shocking. But I think that for Seattle to have taken that massively forward last year and to now be in fifth at a minus 14 and a losing record 15 games into the season. I think this is a bigger surprise because it's. They they should have been confident enough to come into this season and play well. Well, I'm not saying that they have to be, you know, 10, 10, uh, oh, and five, uh, 15 games into the season, because that's that that's shooting way above their normal percentage. But I, I got to say that Seattle, I'm a little disappointed, like I'm disappointed in the Kraken after being pleasantly surprised by them last year. Um, you know, you look at their you look at their team and you've got Jaden Schwartz leading the way in points. He's at just under a point per game. Vince Dunn, just under a point per game. Oliver Bjorkstrand. Um, and then you get, it starts to get thin. Like, I like Yanni Gord. You like Yanni Gord? I thought... I thought he was a decent player when he was with um, Tampa Bay. He was, but she, should he be a should he be a contender's sixth leading scorer? No, he's he's tied with Matty Beniers, or Beniers, but, or however he wants to pronounce his name for points. But look at their look look at their plus minus. The plus minus isn't a great stat. Yeah, but when you're comparing it between teammates. Bernier's is a minus 14. Yanni Gord is a plus two. That's a 16 point swing between these two guys. That is one of the most dramatic you're going to see among teammates. And I think Yanni Gord may actually have the best. Yanni Gord's a better defensive forward than Bernier's. I mean, Yanni Gord has the best plus minus on that team right now. He was, he was, he was, and, and I believe me, I am not comparing him to this man, but he was in, in my view, he was one of the guys in Tampa Bay that was the equivalent of a Patrice Bergeron. He was the 200 foot guy. He was, he played in all, he played all aspects of the game. He was. He could score shorthanded goals. He played on the power play. So I'm not surprised that he's got a better plus minus than everybody on the team. I mean, the fact that he's only a plus two. But that plus two is the best on the team. I mean, yeah, that's the fact that they keep going back to Grubauer and hoping to catch lightning in a bottle from the time that he was with Colorado. And at some point your numbers are your numbers. And this year Grubauer's got a three point three point three seven goals against and an eight ninety one save percentage. Joey Decord, who probably should get more opportunities at this point is a two fifty nine with a nine thirteen save percentage. I think at some yeah. point, you have to give up on the Grubauer experiment. Okay, so same question, Metro Division. I know what my answer is. 
Metro. Oh, see, I, I scrolled to the central. Metro. Let's see. Shock of shocks. Um, For me? Devils. Devils. Devils are not in a playoff position. And it it's not be because the they're Devils. playing super bad. They're just barely, but they're only slightly above 500. I had them winning the division this year. I was waiting uh, for that step forward. I was waiting for, I mean, the appearance of, you know, Akira Schmid in in the playoffs last year. I thought, finally, they've got, you know, it, it was the, it was the he was the guy that allowed them to move on from Mackenzie Blackwood, who they hung on to desperately because they thought there was no guy, one else who could do anything. And Mackenzie and I like Mackenzie Blackwood. The problem with Mackenzie Blackwood is he couldn't stay healthy for longer than five minutes. And I mean, the good news with their goaltending is that Akira Schmidt, who they came to believe was the better goaltender at some point during the playoffs, does in fact have a better save percentage than Vitek Vanasek. Who they insist on, again, the Vitek Vanasek experiment uh, – they insist on him being the number one, 3.45 goals against, 887 save percentage. Now, Akira Schmidz is not all that impressive either. He's still over three and under 90%. With but, a it's still better. but it's still better. Um, but that's not, I mean, it's not. I thought that good, I. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Because. Yeah. I mean, Jack Hughes has two points per game. In the year in the season, Jesper Bratt, nineteen points in thirteen games. Tyler Toffoli, fourteen points in thirteen games. Um, even is, John Marino is at has nine assists to go with his thirteen games. But the thing um, is, Jack Hughes for his that, two points per game is still a minus one. With goaltending like that, Gretzky would be a minus. And that's what I'm saying is after thinking that they finally had the goaltending figured out, this was the one. I mean, I was never fully sold on their defense, but I was I thought Mackenzie Blackwood and I really liked him. And he was a Bruin. He he always seemed to play the Bruins really tough. But I thought, OK, Akira Schmid shows up in the playoffs and, and goes lights out. And I'm thinking, finally, they've got that one aspect nailed down, only to have this season crop up. And okay, maybe they don't. It's no, it, it's yeah, it, it's rough. I mean, I, I I'm, I expected I more understand. out of them. I did expect more out of them. I thought they'd be, I thought they'd be leading the Metropolitan. To be quite honest. Absolutely. I mean, the the Jackets, not a surprise. The Rangers, not really a surprise. The fact that they're the fact that they're in first isn't a surprise. And even more so, not a surprise that they would be in a playoff spot. I mean, the Rangers have really good talent. The fact that Adam Fox is out on long term IR is a little bit of a shock that they're still doing as well as they are. I mean, they're still um, a plus. So they're still the, a plus fifteen without him. Yeah. And how about that central division? <laughs> uh, um, 
let's see. Um, is it fair to say, even though looking straight up at just standings, it doesn't appear in the picture? But if you actually are on the NHL website and you click on wildcard tab, the fact that Arizona's in a playoff, I'm, I'm trying to decide between Arizona being in a playoff spot and the fact that Nashville is dead last. I think I'm going to go Nashville being dead last is my surprise. I can't go with Nashville because we were told even before the uh, transition to Barry Trotz that they were going to rebuild. And they weren't in a great place before Trotz took over. But they still have some talent on that team. You say Saros is uh, you say Saros is the real deal. They've still got Roman Yossi. You still got Philip Forsberg and the backup singer. I mean, you still have talent on that team for them to be in last. I mean, not being in a playoff spot is one thing. Being last in the central is different and unexpected. I mean, they're, they're scoring basic, they're scoring at a slightly below average rate and they're allowing more goals. That's the recipe for being bad, bad, and they are bad. Um, they are bad. For me, the Central <laughs> Division surprise, it's Winnipeg. They shed leadership. They shed talent. And they're probably more steady looking in terms of what they're doing than they have been in a couple of years. They've got, they're only an even, they're basically at 500 at home, but they're four, two and one on the road. Um, six, two and two in their last 10 games. That's pretty consistent hockey. Um, I'm not, I'm not putting them in the conference finals or the Stanley cup finals, uh, or anything yet soon but but the results don't lie um yes arizona being in a playoff spot is a little surprising (laughs) um that said come on now that said you've got a team that has been accumulating assets for like a decade they almost have to make the playoffs by accident at least once. And the, some of the players that they added in the offseason and in the last two seasons make them more complete. Getting Travis Boyd and Nick Bugstad, yeah, just those two guys make them better 200-foot team at, uh, at forward right away. Getting Matt Dumba. Getting makes Sean them, Dersey. Sean Dersey. We know I love Sean Dersey. Um, it makes them better. It, again, I'm, I'm still not putting them in the Stanley Cup final. They got, they got, and they got Logan Cooley, the, the, the Rookie of the Year candidate for them. I mean, they, they they are a well put together team. Yeah, I don't expect a deep playoff run 
and they're getting, you know, semi-respectable goaltending. Carol, Rimel- Carol uh, Romelka. He needs to up his game just a little percentage. bit. Connor Ingram, 9-11 save percentage. Both of their goals against averages are under three. As this, uh, you know, the the league is not, is still not a four goals, uh, five goals a night league. So if you're only allowing three goals per game, you're at about a coin flip for winning. Yeah. And they're, they're winning that coin flip. They're seven, six, and one. Um, do they need to become slightly better in, if they want to stay in a playoff spot and get into home ice advantage? Of course they do. But, you know, looking at the basic fundamental, what are they doing in terms of goals at four and allowed? They're a plus seven. I guess what I want to know is who slapped Jordan Bennington around. He's got Jordan a nine. Tw- he's got a nine twenty three save percentage. I can't. I can't crap on the guy if he's got a nine twenty three save percentage. <laughs> of course yes. you can. Yes. Is he five hundred goaltender? He's a five hundred goaltender. He's four wins, four losses, and an overtime. But he's got a two and a half goals against and a nine twenty three save percentage. Uh. Somebody slapped him around. I don't know. Slapped the smart back into him. I don't know what they did, but somebody did something. It's surprising. On the <laughs> other hand, we can look at Joel Hopper or Hofer. Or he's Hopper, got a 918 save percentage and is actually winning more games or higher percentage of his games. Yes. Which tells me that the defense has improved markedly in front of them. I mean, you look at their D, though. They got Justin Falk. Tory Krug, Nick Letty, Pareko, who I like more than you, Tyler Tucker, who I don't know a whole lot about, Marco Scandella, and Robert Bortuzzo. I mean, it's not a it, it, it's not a names jump off. It's not a murderer's row of defense, no. But I think that we talked about this late last year, how the front office called out certain of their forwards and said, yes. "You guys need to be better," and said it in the press. Cairo being the focus, yeah. Yeah. Cairo. Yeah, Cairo. Uh, Jordan Cairo, um, and that's um, that's a big deal. And you know, honest, look at his. To be honest, not really light. I mean, seven points in 13 games. But here's the difference. Even. Last year, in 79 games, he was a minus 38. Minus this year. This year he's even through thirteen games. That's a pretty big swing. Yeah. Um, now that minus thirty eight is probably an aberration, or if not an aberration, certainly not something that he was responsible for alone, because the previous year he was a plus ten, and he'd been basically even in his first the first three years of his career. Um. Would it be nice to see him be, finish the season a plus 20, plus 25? Absolutely. Um, but it's not one of those stats that happens by accident or with no with no impact from other the other players around you. Um, yeah. 
and 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 I and I see that. I mean, I just, I just, I did, I just wanted to comment on the fact that Bennington is having an up year, which I wasn't expecting. I don't think they're my, they're not my surprise by any stretch, but they're playing about where I expected them to play. But the fact that he's actually having a decent year was kind of jumped out at me. And uh, it is, I hadn't looked. I assumed they were just playing someone else. <laughs> um, although with his contract, I don't know how you'd put that in. Um, how would you, how would you explain to upper management that you're going to, I mean, I feel bad because I think Joel Hofer might actually give them a better opportunity. Yeah. How do you explain the upper management? Yeah. You're paying this guy six or whatever it is, million dollars a year, but we want to play the other guy. We want to play. Um, Hey, uh, boss, you want hey, us boss. to win games, right? Sell more jerseys, sell more beer. Which one's more important? Have better ratings. Which is more important, winning games or playing the expensive guy? <laughs> Which is why in the East you'll see a goaltender move that won a Vesna trophy. And well, since you brought that up, um, why don't we start with your surprise in the East? Uh, I still want to have multiple surprises because there are very, very many. I have at least there are three. a couple of surprises, and I think I we'll a, end up with a different surprise. I have, I have four, but my biggest surprise. Yeah, I have four, but my biggest surprise is. Uh, yeah, my biggest surprise is Ottawa being in the basement. That was that's completely. Yes, they have 12 points. They're only three points behind Buffalo, but they're 12 points behind Boston. We say it every year that this team is going to make the playoffs, and they've regressed. Yes and no. I think that they are having stumbles early. Um, But one of the things that jumps out to me about that team They're playing inconsistent hockey right now. Yeah. And you know this because they're 13 games in and they they lost six. Uh, they've lost seven games, won six, but they're still a plus six. They're still even on the road. Um, this tells me that they they have one or two things to figure out. Like, if you ask me which of the eight teams at the bottom of the four divisions, yeah. the Sabres, the Senators, the Islanders, the Jackets, the Blackhawks, the Predators, the Oilers, or the Sharks, is most likely to get into a playoff spot before the end of the year, the Senators, despite the toughest climb, uh, because they're in a harder division. Because I believe in the team. I don't believe in the Sharks. I think that the Oilers are fundamentally broken. <laughs> yes. Chicago and Nashville are both ab- absolutely rebuilding. And Columbus, Columbus is Columbus. And the Islanders just don't, they don't. 
I mean, the Islanders are sort of Vancouver East, and I just I think that a lot of the issue with them is that they don't know who they want to be as a functional team. Fair enough. And, and that's that's like not something that a coach a coach the coach can't tell you who you are. They can tell you how you're playing but they can't tell you who you want to be or anything like that. And you open up the team, you look at the standings and the first thing that jumps out to me in terms of the Islanders is the number one sign of trouble for any hockey team in the past 20 years. And that would be, you have a defense, a defenseman leading you in scoring. Yeah, that's a problem. Noah Dobson, 12 points, 13 games, plus two. Um, no power play goals, no shorthanded goals, one game winner. And he's two points up on Bo Horvat, three points up on Matt Barzell, four points up on Brock Nelson, four, uh, four points up on Kyle Palmieri, doubling Peter, Pierre Engel, um, seven points up on Cal Clutterbuck. That's not going to work. Yes, but any one of those first three guys that you listed after Dobson, Horvat, Barzal, Nelson, any one of those three should be your leading scorer, not Noah That's Dobson. That's correct. That's correct. Not Noah Dobson. Pajot has no goals. Which is they were no. talking about this the other night uh, in during the game, and like Pajo is not an offensive superstar, but he's offensively consistent for the most part. Yes. Um, you look at Barzell, nine point one uh, contract. Horvat, eight point five. Lee Anders, who we didn't even talk about, his scoring has evaporated. And Anders Lee has two points on the season. He has one goal, one assist. Yes. Seven million. He's their captain. Two more years at seven million. Uh, uh, granted, they leaned on him. Okay, they didn't even lean on him. They required him to pick up the jet and carry it 81, 81, 82 nights a year for two or three years. I, I think that he's somewhat burned out at this point. Um, Paul Mary's get a reasonable contract, but I mean, Noah Dobson is your third best paid defenseman and seven of your forwards are paid more than him. Um, no, it, Nelson, Nelson Horvat bars those three guys should be leading your team in scoring. Anders Lee should be much higher than he is. Anders Lee should be at least in the top five. I mean, this, yeah, there's a lot wrong fundamentally, and the goaltending isn't. uh, Wait a minute, the Islanders, their goaltending is, well, yeah, because. The, the it's kid not Barlamov. The kid that yes, but they're still. And it's not Sorokin. I mean, Sorokin is not playing Sor- his best hockey Sorokin's in his NHL career. 
Sorokin's got a 9.07. Varlamov's got a 9.40. But even, like, as I said, Sorokin is not playing to his expected level. Right. But he's not complete, like, he's not a complete waste of ice time. A 9.07 is not good, but when you put, when you look at his three previous seasons, you have the expectation he's going to figure it the bleep out and get back to something close to career levels. Problem is, I don't think this team has figured it out. And I know you said that at the beginning. You said they don't know what they are. I completely agree. And they are. They're a mishmash of... of, They're a mishmash of, of everything but speed. They've got physical. They've got... Decent defense. They've got guys who went. They, they, are you going to be a physical yeah, team? Are you going to be a roster star? and name? There's no one there I can name as a speedster. No. It's it's definitely not Clutterbuck at this point in his career. Well, no. I mean, or Matt Martin. Um, I mean, is Oliver Wallstrom your fast guy? Probably. Is that a good thing? Along with Hor, I mean, Horvat's never been. No, Horvat, or is it better? Horvat's not slow, but he's not a fast guy either. He's he's on the sunny side of average speed of the league. Okay. I honestly don't know which one is the top seventy percent, or top thirty percent, or even the top twenty percent. But he's not below average skater. But the thing is, they don't have enough players to be known as a speed and finesse team. No, not in any way. They don't have enough. Sorry, they just don't. And and Julian Gauthier, yeah, he's played in one game, but he's he's not speed and fast. None of these guys. No, none of these guys are Pollock, Martin. No, uh-uh. <laughs> sorry, nope. Barzal, eh, probably about average speed-wise, maybe slightly above. Brock Nelson, not. Yeah, so they're not playing a speed and finesse game. But are they built for the physical? I mean, Clutterbuck is obviously has always been known as a physical guy. I don't know. I, 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 I yeah, they throw me. They're they're one of these teams that throws me for a loop. I mean, on paper, they should be better. Maybe it is purely the lack of speed that's keeping them at the bottom of the standings. I don't know. But I think it's more as much an identity thing as it is a ability thing. Because, let's be honest, we take a look at this team. Yeah. Assuming you have unlimited budget, pull up this roster, San Jose roster. Your job is to build a contender. Which team are you grabbing more players off of? I don't even need to pull the two rosters up, and I can tell you it's going to be the Islanders for me. Okay. Because I would absolutely grab Barzal in almost every situation. 
Yeah, I, would, I, I just would grab Pollock or Pollock in almost every situation. Pelican Pollock, they, uh, defensively, I would grab them. Barzal, if I was looking for a power, I don't know. Barzal, in certain situations, I'm not as sold on Barzal uh, power play wise as as most people are. I've watched him, and he still makes the same mistakes that I've seen him make in the past. He's awful at zone entries on power plays and he doesn't recognize that I watched him in one game on one particular power play where he tried three separate times to enter the offensive zone and refused to pass it to somebody else. He was going to get into the zone, carrying the puck. He was going to get into the zone and I forget who they were playing, but every time he came through, Puck knocked away. Puck knocked off his stick. He's bumped off the puck. He just refused to change his attitude toward how he was. And and that tells me that I can't have somebody like that. This is a team sport. Is that a failure of him? Is it a failure of coaching? Because if the coaches are telling him you need to be the one to carry the mail. Because if you wreck, if you're on the ice and if if you're going to have on ice insanity, you know, the, def- the, the definition of trying something the same in the same way and expecting different results. It, I'm sorry, but if the coach is saying you got to be the one to carry the puck in the zone, then yes, the coach is an idiot for not recognizing the fact that this guy can't do it. And it's also on the player for recognizing that, hey, the coach says I should be the one to do it, but it'll work better if I pass it to the left winger who's got nobody covering him. Yes. Uh, how many coaches did they go through in Vancouver while he was there? Barzal wasn't in Vancouver. Oh, wait a minute. I'm thinking of more of that, but yes. Barzal and, and how many coaches? I don't know. They had the now GM of, of the Nashville Predators. They had the guy they fired to get, Barry Trotz. Um. I honestly don't know how many he's actually gone through. At least two. I think this is his. Thir- this has to be like his third head coach there. Fair enough. Barry Trotz just, it, it is just, good at several things. Offense, not one of them. I want the hockey. I want the hockey IQ to come out. I want him to be able to recognize situations and realize that it's not working. Let me try something different. And I don't think a coach is going to have a problem with that if it's successful. Now, if he keeps passing off to the left wing because he recognized that he can't get through and the other team sees and recognizes the pattern that now he's dishing off to the left wing, then he needs to recognize and dish off to the right wing or dump it into a corner. Or he needed, He's not showing me that hockey IQ that he can adapt on the fly. And maybe I'm being a little saying. too harsh, but I don't think I am. I love his talent, but I don't love his hockey IQ and adaptability. Sorry. Rant. Rant. No, that's that's fair. Um, or at least it's not unfair. I think my favorite thing is the fact that the Red Wings are ahead of the Maple Leafs in the East. (laughs) 
Um, that is a bizarre thing, honestly. And then there's the other surprise I had in the East, which is the fact that the Canadians are in a playoff spot. The Canadians in a playoff spot is definitely, definitely not to be expected. <laughs> like I said, four surprises in the East in varying degrees of surprise. <laughs> um, I... Can you call Boston? It, it, I last think thing the before, Senators being as oh. far down as they are is shocking. So who's your surprise, by the way? You never actually said. Or we haven't um, got to it yet. Well, no, someone else was talking, and I'll try and get Cisco to be quiet so that we can both talk. Um, All right. I mean, in fairness to the Senators. Yes. They're the only team in the division without a winning record. Which means they're not <laughs> there. It's going to be tough sledding to get to get into a playoff spot. Um, OK, but and they played less games than everyone but Florida ahead of them. But I think the fact that you can be a plus six, which is better than anyone between them and Detroit and still be. And still having not only a losing record, but the worst in the division. Um, I think that's something that's going to even out long term. And, you know, Montreal is four points ahead of them with one more game played at this point. Yeah. Uh, I think before Christmas, uh, the Senators will be ahead of the Canadians. Okay. Um, So that's still my big surprise. Um, so so what's your so your surprise is Montreal? No, my surprise is the Senators oh, being so we agreed in on such that a one bad too. position. Okay. So we agreed on Ottawa, we agreed on the Devils. Um I do have one final question before we break away. And I know I brought this up pre-show, but can you call at this point in time what the Bruins are doing a surprise? Yes. Yes, you I can. Mean, it's not a major surprise. It certainly wasn't no, going to be my. But. They did. A third of their roster t- turned over in the offseason. They lost two guys who will probably have their numbers in the Raptors within the next five years. At the same time, um, they didn't enter camp with an established number one or number two center. Uh, that's that. And for everyone to know that on the roster, and you know, we can talk about how great Swayman has been, we can talk about a lot of things. But my personal MVP, and I'm not interested in hearing about any other seventh player uh, for the near future, is Charlie Coyle. Like, his jump in faceoffs in the past, just this season, like, what he's doing right now in terms of playoff, in terms of faceoffs is not really predicted or predictable based on his previous career. Well, he's got a 53.4% face-off win percentage right now. 
And he's taken more faceoffs than anyone on the team. Uh, 251 for him, 206 for Zaka, 123 mm-hmm. for Beecher, Patois, uh, 116. But okay, so here's the thing. Coyle, 53.4. Zaka, 51.9. Beecher, 52. Who's your other? Who's the other center? Uh, Potois. And Potois, who is... Matthew Potois is the only one struggling in the faceoff dot at 40.5. And he's the smallest, youngest guy facing stiffer competition than Beecher most of the time. And when and the fact that and I think this is one of the reasons why they made the change. It could be a smaller reason, but when they put Portois between Geeky and who the heck's on his left? Um, yeah, it'll come to me in a minute. But the reason they put him on a line with Geeky, Geeky's faceoff percentage is fifty five point four. Yes. He hasn't taken nearly as many faceoffs, but he's been really, really good. So they've got they've got the win percentage in almost every scenario. And yesterday, I mean, not yesterday, the Islanders game, Coyle was taking faceoffs in the defensive zone, and I'm like ready to pull my hair out. But he won like four out of five or five out of six in the defensive zone. I know that was the well, game he had his hat trick, and good yeah. for him. But yes, the the team is the the team is to me they are. I'm not surprised they're in a playoff spot. I am surprised that they are playing at the same level as last year, not having, as you said, two guys that are Raptors uh, in Krejci and and Bergeron. Uh, you got rid of you. You lost Hall. You lost Felino, or or traded them away. You didn't lose them. You traded them away. There has been a lot of turnover due to cap space and the fact that you've got youngsters taking over spots. Uh, Grizzlick is out long term IR. You brought in Lucci. Who's also managed to get himself suspended for four games. I hate to say this. Well, I don't hate to say it. Uh, I haven't missed him. I'm sorry, I Bruins fan, not Bruins. I haven't missed him. Have you have you actually noticed the fact that he's not on the ice? No. They brought up they brought up Lowry and the kid belongs. He's not. I don't think he's going back to Providence. Even when McAvoy returns, I don't think you can send Lowry back to Providence. He played last night, even though uh, even though. Even though McAvoy was back uh, on the roster, I, I um, said didn't see last night's game, um, so I will. I mean, I have it on on DVR, and I will watch it because I want to see how they did against the Canadians. I have no idea, but I want to watch it. But low, I, I can't imagine that he's going back to Providence. The kid belongs. Mm-hmm. And I did not miss McAvoy while he was on suspension. I. Nope. And the fact that your two goaltenders have played a minute difference, less than a minute, 50 seconds of 
Omar is at 420. Uh, excuse me. Swayman is at 425.34. Omar is at 424.44. There is 50 seconds difference between your two goaltenders. The fact that you can go back and forth game for game and they're going to finish at 41 games apiece. Literally the way Montgomery's playing them. And there's one loss between them, unfortunately. Yes, it is. All Mark and oh, everybody's going to. He's still got a 2.26 goals against. He's still got a 9.26 save percentage. It's second best on the team, and I accept that. But they faced a total of. Uh, Omark has faced one more shot than Swayman. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, so. I don't think they, they're not my biggest surprise, but to me, they are a surprise. I was expecting them to stumble a little, and they have not stumbled. Uh, no, they, they stumbling has not yet happened. Uh, as I've said off the air a couple of times, I want to see what's going to happen later in the season when the older players are a little more worn down. I want to see what happens when JVR is not uh, well, when JVR has had to, you know, deal with the icky parts of that of the season late in the year. That's the thing. He hasn't shown any signs of not. Although they did move Charlie Coyle to the bumper position on the power play. They can move Charlie Coyle anywhere they want right now because the man ha- the man has found his touch. No argument here. No argument here. They 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 look good. They I'm. Do you give any credit at all to the head coaching? Any credit at all to Montgomery? You have to. I mean, just to find the chemistry for this many disruptions in the roster, but it doesn't happen by accident. Um, As much as I don't love JVR, I like him with Freddie and Coyle. Yeah. Yeah. Like JVR is not my top 20 Bruins of the past five years. But He's playing effectively in that role, and it's making it easier for the other two guys to be effective. And that's a big, beefy line. That's. <laughs> yeah, it's not small. <laughs> I mean, that's that's basically another 700 pound line, not the same level of offense. Yeah, the, better, the 700, the 700 pound line is. It, yeah, the, I Unique don't. Unique in history. Thornton, Thornton, Knubel, and Murray. The, it's gonna be tough to top them. <laughs> but this line has better foot speed. Yes. Well, I okay. They're Thornton, better Murray and Knubel, I think you and I would have better foot speed. <laughs> you might. Right now, I do not. <laughs> I mean, slow lumbering. Yeah. <laughs> Physical. Oh hell yeah. 
Tell me who. Tell me which of those three guys you're actually going to move off the puck. On the Coil line? Uh, well, Knubel, Thornton, and Murray, but yeah, okay, Coil, Coil, Frederick, and and uh, right Murray's now, I probably I, the easiest on the three hundred pound on the six hundred pound line, but um, it's not going to be an easy task to move any of those six guys. No, and that's my point. Ah. Uh. So we tried to get to this one last week, uh, and timing being what it was. And I don't know if you're as shocked as I am, but the fact that Pierre Dorian is out as GM and replaced by Steve Steos, who actually played a little time in Boston. Dorian has been the architect of what the Ottawa Senators look like now. And Steos is going to get credit when they suddenly do recognize that they're playing below their capabilities. Yep. Which is grotesque, but I mean, it's going to happen. The one aspect of this that isn't being mentioned or that I haven't mentioned. Not yet. in any of the articles. The, the one aspect that I haven't mentioned yet is the fact that um, new ownership, Michael Andlauer. Ding, ding, ding. Um, I probably should have seen this coming because most GMs like to get their guy into place. And it's the quote, my first 30 days as owner of Ottawa Senators has exceeded my expectations from all aspects. Now, to me, that says from all aspects. Okay, that's front office. That's play on the eye. From the great span support to this incredible city that has adopted me with open arms, to the passionate staff who care very much for our team, as well as the great, exciting team who also care very much on the ice. Got off to a great start in the last 30 days, but unfortunately, the last 10 days have not been much fun for me. So he's trying to tell us that he made this decision in a week and a half. Yeah, um, I don't believe that. Not buying it? No. Um, wouldn't bet lunch money, much less a mortgage on it. Um, not buying it? I, I'm sorry, you made a decision within 10 days because suddenly it went from fun to not fun? I just, no. My impression of this is that and Lauer had his guy. He wanted, and yeah. I'm trying to figure out. Steos uh, was brought in this season. He had been a special advisor with the Oilers prior. Uh, he played a thousand games in in 16 seasons. I mean. It, it, Quote, I'm excited. I have a great staff and support around me. I'm looking forward to empowering them to take more of a role and responsibility. So Steos is still trying to get things in order, it seems like. Very thankful for Dorian giving me the opportunity. So the guy hired you and now you're taking his place. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this thing all just smacks of of Andlauer wanting his guy in. I'm... 
Look, you pay that much for a business, and I can't blame you, but we're, I'm not dumb. But you, but I'm look at dumb. the roster that he's, look at the roster that he's assembled. Yes. The, the capabilities of this team are <sighs> readily apparent to anyone who knows hockey at all. I just think that if you if you manage to convince yourself in a week and a half after the first 30 days being happy go lucky time for you and then the week and a half you went you know what I'm not happy anymore you got to go I expect that from the pagulas <laughs> yeah I expect that from buffalo I didn't expect it here my question my my follow up to this is how hot is DJ Smith's seat now? I think DJ Smith. Well, DJ Smith. It depends on what 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 they look like at the trade deadline. I mean, if DJ Smith and company has managed to get the team into a playoff spot, he's good. I also, if he doesn't, yeah. If he doesn't, he won't be the coach next fall. I was going to say, do you think so? You think that Ann Lauer is going to give him? or Steos or whoever's making the decisions, wink, wink, is going to give him the full season? I would be surprised if they don't. Um, simply because of the number of young players on the team. And as far as I've been able to tell, he's a reasonably um, popular, he's a reasonably respected coach. The only other thing I think that he's that Ann Lauer is blaming Dorian for is I think he's blaming him for the Shane Pinto thing. And then there's oh, something yeah, that, about them that I found hilarious. Um, and then there's some, and then there's something about them forfeiting a first round pick. Like that is exactly the sort of pretense that you use when you know you've got when you know what you know you're going to change something up. And you want to do it sooner rather than later because Shane Pinto gambling and getting running amok of the league's policies. There is no reasonable way that you can expect a general manager to be in charge of a actual adult who doesn't live with them and not his child. No. I just they're also I mean they're also they're also blaming him for the the was it the Brandstrom deal where they oh no the dad the Dadenoff deal where he was traded to a, the Sharks to go to the Knights but he had the Knights on his nose That might and, be his fault um it probably is but when I weigh it against Everything. So, um, so certain teams are allowed to skirt the rules or use the rules to their benefit, um, as evidenced by I don't know. Oh wait, the Lightning sitting Kucherov for a whole year so that they can, and then bringing him back for the playoffs when the cap doesn't matter. Clearly, 
there was a little bit of hank a little bit of hinky something going on there but oh we'll look the other way because they it, you know technically they followed the rules well technically technically the senators didn't do anything wrong they traded him to a team that he was okay with and that team turned around and traded him to to, to Vegas and they're blaming Ottawa because Ottawa knew that he was going to go to Vegas and Vegas was on his no trade no trade list but technically they didn't break the rules they traded him to, to San Jose so how come some teams can manipulate the rules and other teams can't? I don't know. You can go down many rabbit holes there, and I, mean, and I don't like can, it. And the NHL sets their own precedent. The Senators knew that he was going to be traded to a team that was on his no-trade list. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yes. But in terms of the, in terms of the um, lightning, you Good really – really hard to prove an injury or an injured player or purportedly injured player. Except that he was practicing with the team and, and ready to go. There's difference between being able to practice and being able to play. Mm, okay. All right. Nope. And it comes down to there being medical protection in terms of what you can, like you can't ask your employees about their health to a certain beyond a certain extent their prognosis whatever you want to call it um it's am i saying i agree with what the devils uh, what the lightning did not quite what the lightning did what the lightning did no i'm not saying i agree with that but So, um, final question for me about this. Yep. You think Dorian sits long before he gets another job offer, or do you think he already had job offers on the table? I will be surprised if he is not a general manager next season by the draft at the latest. And I, I would not be surprised to see him be a general manager even before Christmas. I'm thinking Columbus. See for me, Columbus. You probably could have gotten if you need if you wanted to get rid of their GM uh, Yarmo Kekalainen. You probably could have done it 107 times in the past like three years. Yeah, but this guy seems to know what he's doing. And if somebody's going to build that team up, I think Dorian can. I think Dorian has proved that he can do it. I mean, look again. Look, look at the team he's put together in Ottawa. I don't disagree with you, but I actually think that uh, Ken Holland might be in more trouble. Edmonton. Edmonton. I can, I can, I can actually see Edmonton going after him as well. Sure. Um, I can actually see look that. Look at the I, fact that a RNH for Allmark trade emerged in the rumors it's and. A joke. Even the person who tweeted it out um, this week said it was just rumors. There is nothing behind it. They don't know anything. Please stop Ooh. threatening us. Um, is this a segue? Uh, I don't see any scooters here, but. Um, <laughs> it was a brilliant segue. I didn't even see it coming. 
In terms of uh, in terms of what is going on with that, yeah. The original tweet was RNH or Allmark. Straight up. Basically, yeah. Yeah, and no. And to that, wrong. I say no. Not even a chance. That's wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. I mean, RNH has proven himself to be healthier and more valuable than he was when he was younger and injured all the time. But I I don't think that he's enough of an ad at forward for the Bruins to go sacrificing um, Olmark. I and I and I've said it on more than one occasion that the Bruins are not going to be able to keep him. They they're going to deal him because then a they're not going to deal the younger Swayman. Uh, you need to capitalize on the fact that Omar has won a Vesna, that he's still playing at the top of his game. I mean, again, people want to compare his numbers to Buffalo, and, and okay, but they're going to move him because he's making $5 million a year. But straight up for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, no. Could I see Sweeney making the deal? <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't. I am not Sweeney's biggest fan, particularly when it comes to trades. Yeah. I don't think even Sweeney makes that trade. But not uh, unless he knows something that we don't and knows something useful that we don't. Um, it uh, the trade doesn't make sense. Neither does this one. I mean, and and you want to talk about crazy trades. So I find this one, uh, and it came from uh, apparently John Butchagross, who I thought knew a thing or two about hockey. And I guess from a numbers standpoint, it makes sense. But hypothetical, Leon Dreisaitl, Warren Fogle from Edmonton for, you're ready for this, you're sitting down, right? Good. I am indeed. Jake DeBrusque, Matt Poitras, Poitras. Okay, this is where I hit the eject button. Fabian Lysel. And a 2000, I'm assuming they mean 26. It says 2016 first round, 2026 first round pick. Because that's the next time they have a first round pick. Cap-wise, this works. Uh, it doesn't work any other way for me. Dreisaitl, offensive, yes. Warren Fogle, Eh, not as high on him as some people, as most people. For clearly our one number one or number one A rookie player, young player in, in Poitiers, Fabian Lysel, where it seems in the next paragraph it says Lysel seems to be falling down the Bruins' depth charts. Um, I don't know what they consider falling down. The fact that he didn't make the squad out of camp. Uh, I, I don't know what their well, definition is. Well, that's the worst thing that's down. ever happened ever, ever, ever. But weren't you telling me just a week or so ago that he's like second on Providence in points or something like that? Or, or... That's only the AHL. Oh, okay. Um, it doesn't sound like there's been a progress on the Jake DeBrusque extension. Jake DeBrusque. 
didn't we just sign him? He's already due an extension. Yeah, he's already due an extension. It was a, it was, I believe, a two-year contract a year and a half ago. So, I know that they signed him that. Yeah, they did. They signed him that four year. It was two years, two years, eight million. The the one that they gave him when he wanted to be traded. Okay, then yes, he's due an extension. Um, and Swayman being in net as well. Well. Would GM Sweeney consider moving Omar? Yes. I fully expect that he's going to be moved. I don't think it's going to be at the deadline. I think it's going to be at the draft. They're going to try and improve their draft st- their draft stock by getting back into either day one or early day two in the second round. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, and I hate to say it, but I think Omar knows it's going to happen, too. But he does have a 16-team no-trade list, and it sounds like the Oilers could be on that list. So are we talking about something that likely isn't going to happen anyway? Likely isn't going to happen anyways. I said this off the air uh, before we got started, and I stand by it. I would rather trade McAvoy for Dreisaitl because I think it— Addresses needs for both teams. Yes. Um, and it's more directly cap workable. That that said, it doesn't address the goaltending needs of of the uh, of the Oilers, but it certainly makes their defense better in a hurry, and it certainly gives Boston. A true number one, uh, a true number one center. Would you move Drysaddle back to the center position? Does he play center? Not, I, I thought it was McDavid and Drysaddle played on the right wing or something like that. Um, it has worked that way, but I yes, I would move Drysaddle back to um, back to center if I was going to make that trade. And I, I, obviously, I'd want to make sure he was comfortable with playing at center again, uh, particularly under Monty's system. Because it's a different system than what they've played in. And if Coyle is playing as well as he is at center. Currently. He is, but it, I, I, and I would find a way after that to <clears throat> move on from Mr. Zaka. <laughs> I really don't know what you have against him. You were excited when they, well, no. No, actually I wasn't. Yeah, that's true. You weren't. I'll give you that. I don't think that he's a terrible player, and he's definitely better a player than uh, I thought he was. But I just have this feeling it's one of those things that's not going to last. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, I don't know. Why would if we're going to get somebody off of a team, though? Well, go ahead. We could find a way to get. But the one that wants out of this team is not the one that I want to get on my team. Apparently, Nikita Zadorov wants out of Calgary. That's uh, that's the twi- that's what the Twitter sphere has uh, has uh, going on for it right now. 
Um, exciting that Nikita Zadorov talk again. Now, if Nikita Zadorov is the guy I'm thinking of, he's played for more than a couple teams in the NHL. He's been a Colorado Avalanche. I think he's been. I'm, now, the one I'm not sure of is the Red Wings. I think he's been a Red Wing. He's been with Ottawa. And if I remember Zadorov, he's okay. I mean, I'm. They they give his stats and they say he's a physical defense first blue liner, which he is, an above average skater, which I'm not sold on. Uh, he does get himself into the penalty box. I will agree with that. He he tends to be a little bit more physical than he needs to be. He's I don't know if he's, a funny accent. Is he in a position to be forcing hands and trying to force trades? And, and I don't know that he's that. I mean, you have to be at a certain level before you can sit there saying, I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. Taylor Hall saying yeah. it in Buffalo. Taylor Hall is a, is a heart trophy winner. If he says he wants out, I mean, I believe, yes, he could force a team to move him. I don't know that Zadorov is in that position. I don't. I think that as a role, if I'm a general manager and there's a player who doesn't want to be in my system, I don't want them in my system before they become an issue in the locker room. Um, is that giving up power to the players? Maybe. But your job as a general manager is to field the best team you want to be, and players who don't want to be there are probably not going to perform as well as players who do want to be there. Um, and I'm willing to die on that hill. I mean, the interesting part of all this, and you put it up here, is the comment that his agent made, or the or the the X the tweet the whatever you call them these days aren't they aren't they just called posts now i'm going to keep calling them something else something or tweets until the or until the website address changes yeah that is a little odd that they're called x but yet their address is still twitter.com okay but he he tweeted out <clears throat> fresh off a goal and big hit tonight against the maple leafs Oh no, that's weak. Well, that's weeksy. Uh, I'm told that Zadora, through his agent, Dan Milstein, has requested a trade from the Flames, and Milstein tweeted out, "Here comes a here comes the Dorov train. Get your Leafs Forever tickets today." Is he trying to get the Leafs to trade for Zadorov? Yeah, it sounds like that to me. Uh, I mean, granted, he's a Leafs type of defense. Well, I don't know if he's defensive minded. Maybe he's not he going to. A, I think he would be a good addition to the Leafs. I don't know what you're moving to get him. Um, is this the time when they finally, finally, finally trade Nylander? Uh, Nylander for, for Zadorov straight up probably wouldn't work. I'm thinking that the 
Flames might have to throw something else in to entice. And that's that's going to happen because, uh, I mean, if you know that a player wants out of a city, you've got you've got somewhat of an advantage. Um, Zadorov, first of all, is in the last year of a contract that's only three point seven five million, and Nylander makes significantly more than that, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you're not mistaken. No, it's Nylander's like seven. Nylander plus. is currently <clears throat> in the last year of a deal as well, where he's slightly under seven million six six million nine hundred sixty two thousand. So there'd have to be a little bit. Calgary has some wiggle room on the cap. Yeah, and the Leafs are the Leafs have under sixty thousand in cap space. So moving Nylander for Zadorov actually makes more sense than I first thought. Um, like, like I said, Calgary would would have to include something else to fit under the cap. They'd have to free up another I don't know half million to free million or million. Which isn't necessarily impossible. They're carrying fourteen or thirteen forwards. Um, Connor Z- uh, Zeri is on a entry level contract. That means he's waiver exempt. They're carrying seven defensemen. Um, they probably aren't going to miss one of the guys making under a million. And they've also got three goaltenders, including Vladar, Markstrom, and Wolf. Wolf is on his entry-level contract. If they basically just send Wolf and uh, Neri down for a while, they're going to clear enough space to make it work. I mean, with Jake with Jake Muzzin still on long-term IR, bringing in as a Dorov, who is probably as physical, if not a little more so than Jake. And I've always loved Jake Muzzin, but I don't think that Zadorov is as good as Jake Muzzin is. I mean, physically, physicality wise, if that's a word, I think that they're close, but yeah, adding Zadorov to Riley Morgan, TJ Brody, John Klingberg, Giordano, and McCabe, he could be a bottom three pairing defenseman, sure. No, bottom two, excuse me, bottom three. Wow, where am I at? It actually works more than I originally wanted to give this credit for. Yeah, it's it's not a terrible idea. Uh, I, I'm not saying I would make the trade. And I don't know if Dubas would. Uh, wait a minute, is, Dubas is still in. No, no he's Dubas not. Down who, the, in, um, who the heck is in charge up there now? now? Treliving. Yes. Oh, Treliving. Bradley probably makes the where trade. Did he, where did he come from? He was in Winnipeg. Treliving? I thought he was in Calgary. Oh, you're right. He was the. He is the former Calgary GM. Uh-huh. Who do you think brought Zadorov in? <laughs> me. It was me. So would Brad bring him over? I wonder if that. All right, this is getting a little too hinky for me right now. This is... <laughs> but yeah, the trade actually makes more. The more I look at it, the trade actually 
might work. Newlander for Newlander for Zadorov and another piece. I'm sure Brad would be like, you know, I want one of those draft picks too, but mm-hmm. Well, don't forget that there were other players in the past year who have wanted out of Calgary. He might manage to wheedle more out of the deal than just what we see on the surface here, looking at these two players. Only one guy um, I want this, in Calgary. This could be a fun avenue. Yeah. Only one guy I want from Calgary, though. You know who I'm talking about. But Lucic is already back in Boston. Yeah, not the guy I was talking about. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. You want Dan Vladar back? Nope. Still, still not happy about the way he was sent out sent on a rail out of town. But oh, so it must be Nazem Kadri. Although ending up with Kadri and uh, and Drysaddle would be pretty interesting. Yeah. No, none of those people. I still want Elias Lindholm. Elias Lindholm, if that could, if that deal could be made, would be pretty fascinating. Eight points in fourteen games this year. Two goals, six assists. He's a center. I don't know what his cent- I don't know what his faceoff percentage is. That's the only thing I haven't looked up. But. 80 games last year, 82 games the year before, 56 out of 56 in the shortened season, all 70 games in the other shortened season, before that, 81, before that, 81. Are you getting a hint of where I'm going at here? No, I'm not. Mm, I'm thinking healthy. Elias Lindholm leads the team in faceoffs taken and won, and is at a 54.3. Yeah, so, so again, doesn't hurt the team. Last year of a contract, he's making under $5 million. Last year of his deal. Sweeney's get it done. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'm sure that will happen. I know he's a listener. Well, actually, it's Cam that's a listener. Get it done. Elias Lindholm. Bruin. I've only been saying it for two years now, so I don't, you know, and clearly it's falling well, on deaf ears. Cam's going to want to wait for the off season and get him for free versus having to get the asset. Yes, but if you have to get into a bidding war with other teams, then you have to have the monetary assets. And oh wait, they don't. Unless there's going to be a big spike in the cap which by the way which in theory there will be um sure so one interesting thing we ran across uh in prep for the show yep last night for the first time since 2018 a ubm hockey player scored a hat trick and that would be jens richards um who is not a player I'm familiar with, came out of the NAHL. He played for the Bruins, though. 
in fact, played for the Austin Bruins two seasons, um, 16, 25, 41, and 51 games uh, his final season in the NAHL. Which left him third on the team behind Carson Riddle and Sutter Muzzati. But you left Um, off the fun stat. um, Carson Riddle is over at Aurora University, NCHA. Okay. Um, He's uh, been there for two seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sutter Muzzati is at RPI, ECAC. Um, putting up pretty solid numbers, uh, and is a Nashville Predators fifth round pick in 2023. Um, so it seems like the scouts were at least in the building. Having seen, um, the problem is Jens Richards not putting up huge numbers. No, I mean, that said, he's still only 2021. He's uh, according, according to Elite Prospects, he is 20 years old, uh, so he'd be an overager. He hasn't been drafted by anybody. He hasn't been, but decent size, 6'2", 194. Yep. Um, I think you'll probably, it, you, you may well see him in a couple of um, development camps this summer. Say, so are you expecting to see an invite? Mm, possibly. You left I, off the fun you know, stat, though. He's out of Minnesota. He could be. No. I could see Billy Garian pulling him in for Dev Camp this summer. That I could see. Especially since, on top of those 41 points in 51 games his last year in Austin, he also had 100 penalty minutes. Yes. And <laughs> now, ordinarily, that makes you think wildly undisciplined. <laughs> wildly undisciplined. But but when you look at his stats in college, he went immediately from 100 penalty minutes in 51 games to just six in 30 um, for, in his for, in his freshman year at UVM. Yeah. He's a sophomore this year, eight games, and he now has four goals. Uh, he's already passed the last year's total. Um, I, I think that we're... I think we're going to keep hearing from him, whether there's whether he ever plays in the NHL or not. I can't tell you that. I think he's I mean, I haven't seen anything. I'm wondering if there isn't some kind of it takes him time to build up because he went to North Star Christian Academy. Uh, yep. 2018, 19, he has 18 penalty minutes, lots of points. 19, 20, um, he's got four points, and then, I mean, four penalty minutes, but, or, or and then he's got, oh, wait, they're two different teams. Okay, I get this. So he, he goes from one year having 18, the next year, suddenly he's up to 55 penalty minutes. Okay. Then yep. he hits the Austin Bruins his first year. He's only got six in 49 games. His second year with the Austin Bruins, two more games than 49. He got to 51. He's up to 100 penalty minutes. Wow, that's a jump. Six to 100. 
But then he hits UVM, he's back down to six again in 30 games. This year, he's got four penalty minutes in eight games. I'm. It's almost like it takes him a season to get accustomed or to feel comfortable with being physical. I, I, I honestly don't know. He's got the size to be six two one ninety four. He's not small. He, he is he is he Lucic? No, but he's not no. small either. I mean, he can be. He can throw his. Can he can throw what he has for weight? He can throw it around. It just it seems like it take. It seems like he goes through that first year and he's kind of tentative. Is what it looks like to me. He's tentative his first year with the team, but then in his second year, he feels more comfortable and suddenly he's banging bodies everywhere. Maybe to the point that he's hitting a little too hard. Mm-hmm. That's all. That, I, I, seems, that seems reasonable. Um, I will. I want to you know, see what he does the rest of this year at, for UVM. He also improves his points in the second. He de- He's definitely a second year guy because the first year wherever he's been has been ink. Then his second year, although North Star Christian Academy, he had 56 games, 63. Then he goes on 48, 62 games. He has 54. So high school, he was okay. Boston, you know, his first year with the Bruins, six, uh, 13 points, then 41. He had four points his freshman year in Vermont. He's got four points in eight games in his sophomore year. So he's definitely, there's definitely a trend there where he's much more comfortable coming back as a, a returning player, as opposed to being a first year. I can look with that. Which could be, it could be a mental thing. I mean, when he gets to the next level, you kind of almost, to me, I'm looking at this and I almost have to discount what he does his first year and not say, wow, this guy really isn't as good as I thought. After his second year, I might be able to make that statement. That's fair. But do I think that he's got the opportunity? I I think that, yeah, you're right. I think he's going to see some invites. Absolutely. And I wish him much luck up there in Vermont. Congratulations on on, I mean, on the hat trick, absolutely. I mean, the thing is with UVM, they have a history of producing undrafted players in the past. Vermont, didn't some goaltender come out of Vermont? Yeah, and some squirrely little guy who's now behind the coach in, uh, <laughs> in Montreal, in, behind the bench in Montreal. Isn't he in the Hall of Fame, that guy? That guy, yeah, he is. The other one should have his jersey hung in the rafters in... in one of those original Don't 16. Don't even get me started. I know. I I, I, I slipped up. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we're obviously uh, talking what else about do we have on the board today? St. Louis. Uh, well, we got to cover the will he or won't he question. And then I got a little bit of sad news to end the show on, unfortunately. Or we can end, we can do the sad news and then end the show on the Willie Roney. Let's do it that way. Why don't we do the sad news first? I hate ending on a downer. Yeah, you and me both. Uh, And this I actually found, again, scouting around pre-show because 
this man's name was actually trending on hockey db and i didn't know why so i decided to type it in and look up why and it's sad news is that roman ketchmanic a former goaltender for the philadelphia flyers and la kings at 52 years old has passed away the reason why I mean, I remember this guy. I remember rooting for him. He was very impressive as a rookie with with Philadelphia when I first saw him. This is a guy who was drafted at 29 years old. Sixth round, 171st overall, 29 years old. And he's taken 34 spots ahead of some guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. They call him the King. Um, oh, Henrik Lundqvist. Yep. Um I uh I do remember Roman Chekmonic playing and I really just have to wish his family uh and friends the best. I'm not uh I don't I can't make any claims to being up on the situation um and what he's been up to since he left the league. But um it's not easy. I hope I hope that, you know, his family finds whatever peace they can um, yeah, they, in their own time. Apparently his death just happened like yesterday um, or today or earlier today. Uh, there hasn't been any determination or any announcement of cause of death. But we're talking about a guy who. As a rookie, finished second in the Vizna Trophy, uh, Vizna Trophy race. As a rookie, 35 wins, 921 save percentage. Uh, had three tremendous years, although they struggled playoffs-wise, the, the Flyers did. He was then moved on to... He was then moved on to L.A., but in his final year with Philly, he had a 9.25 save percentage, 33 wins, won the Jennings Award. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who clearly had the talent, but he only played for four-plus years in the NHL. He spent a lot of time at home in his in, in Chechia, uh, mm-hmm. where he was uh, he played in seven? I want to say it was like seven international tournaments. I, I mean, I I thoroughly enjoyed watching him when he played. I mean, not a huge Flyers fan, obviously Bruins fan, but he was he was a fun one to watch. And then he just kind of disappeared faded away went back home and in Chechia's top league his last year that he played in 06 in 06 07 or his last full season he had a 948 save percentage that's, that's I don't care what league you're, I don't care what league you're in <laughs> I realize that the the Czech league might not or Czech's top league might not be the equivalent of the NHL, but a nine forty eight per save nine forty eight save percentage is a nine forty eight save percentage. 
Yes. Oh, man. So our condolences go out to the Ketchmanic family, uh, fans of Philly, fans of L.A., and thoughts and prayers. And now on to the final thing. Will he or won't he? Absolutely. Um, will he or won't he? Will uh, Coach Quinn still be uh, – will he or won't he? Will Coach Quinn make it to U.S. Thanksgiving? Um, 75% of voters think the answer is no. 75% is – that's pretty high. Don't think that he's going to make it past – wait a minute. Don't think that he's going to make it past the Thanksgiving? Uh, they don't think he will make it to U.S. Thanksgiving. Uh, the way it's worded in the tweet, will he or won't he, will David Quinn still be head coach of the Char- San Jose Sharks at U.S. Thanksgiving? Right. And 71% said no. 75% said no. 75%. I'm going to go with he will make it past U.S. Thanksgiving. Since this question was posted, they have won two games. Yes, I know it sounds crazy to celebrate that they have two wins, but they had zero wins when we posted this question. Mm-hmm. They now have two wins. And, and against a reasonably me, good team. Thank you. It, it wasn't one of them not the leading Vegas Knights? Uh, it was, in fact, against the Vegas Golden Knights. So if you can manage to muster up a win against the number one team, not just in the West, but I'm pretty sure they're, they're number one in the NHL. They're the defending Stanley Cup champions, and they. So, do I think he's going to make it past Thanksgiving? Yes. So I think that to date they have beaten San Jose. uh, They beat Edmonton three two. They beat Philly two one. Um, Didn't beat Vegas. uh, I think Vegas was the game before that uh, because they had two Vegas games. In a row, or in like four days. Um, give me a second. No, uh, nope. Uh, I guess you're right. It was just uh, they came off the two ten nothing losses, and that's what prompted the two ten goal losses, and then beat Philly and Edmonton. Um, and today, oh, okay. tonight, they faced uh, their California buddies, the Ducks. Ooh, but. Two wins against anyone back to back, particularly and managing to keep your goals against reasonable. Even if you do go out and get cooked by the best team in the league, <laughs> one of the best teams in the league in the next game, mm-hmm. there's something there. Even though there's not much on that roster, I just I I think he's going to get. A little bit of rope. No, not to hang himself. But uh, Mar- but Mike Greer being first-year GM. First year? Yeah. First, first or second. It's, yeah. Dan Quinn being first-year head coach. 
knowing that they're in a full rebuild, I think he might get a little bit of space. I think so, too, partly because you've got um, – if for no other reason, who's better and available and willing to go sit through a rebuild? Um, as of right now, Greer has been in his position one year, four months, and seven days. And Quinn has uh, been head coach um, one year, three months, and 22 days. So I... I don't think that I don't think that Greer is going to turn around and fire. Clearly, if they are if they aren't at ten wins at the draft at the at the trade deadline, he's probably not going to make it much longer. Okay. In fact, he'd probably get axed there at the trade deadline or the okay. or the All Star break. But in terms of right now, knowing what is going on with that roster and that roster being garbage. This is, I mean, I know I joke about it and I always say so-and-so in the backups. This is clearly Tomas Hurdle and the backup singers. And like, on defense, it's clearly Mark Edward Vlasic and the backup singers. There's... It's just not a good team. I don't want to beat. It's not a good team. <laughs> I don't want to beat, beat the topic to death anymore. But there's no more than four players on this team that would get picked up by a contender if they had to go shopping somewhere. It's not going to be their goaltenders. No, it's, it's not. not. No, it's not. I just looked at those stats. <laughs> It is not, um, excuse me, it is not going to be their goaltenders. William Eklund, never heard of him. Um, <laughs> Mario Carraro, don't care. Oscar Lindblom, meh. Oscar Lindblom, he's the one that, uh, he's the cancer survivor, yes? That's he was great. with Phil. He was with Philly a couple of years ago. That's great. Doesn't make him a great hockey player. No, I didn't say he did. Even though he has no points, I think Edward Blasic is one of those guys. Uh, clearly, Thomas Hurdle, if they wanted to move him, would would get attention. Um, there are a couple of guys that. Luke Cunning, maybe. Anthony DeClaire, sure. And Anthony DeClaire, probably. Yeah. There are there are some probabilities and there are a few yes definitelys, but I don't see more than five or six. And there's only one on defense. And <laughs> I mean, unless you can think, unless you think you can make something out of a true prospect in a hurry. A guy on an entry level contract, but I'm 
if I'm making a run towards the Stanley Cup and that true prospect is anyone other than like a Kale McCarr, Adam Fox type guy, uh, in which case he's already well known. Um, I don't think so. I mean, Nikita Okutuk, uh, who was uh, drafted by the Devils, 22 years old and has played all of 20 NHL games. I call me crazy, but okay. I don't see him as a needle mover. No. Uh, I'm looking at. I'm looking at names on their non-roster list here, and there's nothing. Yeah, yeah they, no. I'm not really seeing anything that says, or any names that say it's me. Yep. Nope. Sorry. I don't mean to be cruel, but Shakir Mukmadaline. I've seen his name before. I don't know if he's a needle mover or not. Uh, But and Henry Thrun maybe uh, yeah no there's I don't think there's a lot of that's gonna not that's gonna really get them top tier draft picks or well like there are guys that you could trade just to make a trade or make a player for player trade to give someone a fresh start but no one no one is ringing Mike Greer's phone asking him for 98.5% of his roster unless they're only trading future considerations or they're trying to dump a huge salary. And I don't even... And I don't know that Logan... I mean, I don't know what's up with Logan Couture, but still got three more years after this one at $8 million per, and he's 34 years old with a modified no-trade. I don't know if Logan Couture even gets moved, unless you bring back unless you back and plays ten healthy games, and let or you yeah, and you'd probably still have to be willing to take nickels on the dollar, and they don't have any. They have only one space for buy for. Do they? They only have one space for for retained salary. Yeah, because they retained on Burns and Carlson. I mean, right now they have two and a half million dollars in cap space. At the deadline, they'll have nine point three based on the current roster. They've got they've got more maneuverability than everyone else, but in terms of pure results per dollar, they're they're uh, they're spending big. I mean, the best thing that you can say for them right now is that they have four picks in the first uh, in the first two uh, across the first two rounds this year. Um, they have their own and Pittsburgh's in the first and their own and New Jersey in the second. And at the standing, if the season ended with the standings as they are, those would all four be pretty good picks. I don't think devils are going to be as low in the standings as they, uh, at the end of the year as they are today. Um, so, so all that being said, the rebuild continues, and I don't think Dan Quinn's going anywhere. I, I no. Yes, I could see a scenario where limited number of wins at the trade deadline could possibly 
get him ousted, but I don't think it's going to happen. Not um, unless they really want to bring in Mike said, Babcock. Should we make uh, Nikita Zadorov our will he or won't he? Will Nikita Zadorov be dealt? Or do we want to be more specific and say be dealt to Toronto? Yes. Will he, if will Nikita uh, Zadorov be dealt to the Leafs um, before season's end? That sounds like a good question. I thought so. But Cisco's the one who came up with it, so. Third member of the team for a reason. He typed it out. <laughs> it's amazing what he can do with pause. Uh, he actually used his nose this time. Um, oh, he uses the hunt and peck method? Yes. <laughs> he says his paws are a little too big for the uh, keyboard I have. Okay. He keeps telling me to get a bigger one. Okay. Telling him they don't make one scaled for puppy feet, but oh well. And that, hockey fans, is where we leave you. Have a great week. Um, if you're listening this far into the show, tweet us both a joke this week, and we will mention the best joke on the show next week. We might even read the joke on the show. Um, but uh, I would love to see what uh, what makes y'all laugh, aside from some of the horrific trade uh, trade proposals <laughs> that run across the NHL waters. Have a great week, and look forward to bringing you another show next week, folks. Take care. <laughs>